Bible school when I was a child. We'd sing songs like Jesus Loves Me and uh, things like that and, and began to memorize scripture. That was my first encounter. I first encountered Jesus growing up in a Christian home, going to church every weekend, every Wednesday, and then gave my life to Jesus in my kitchen with my mom. It was when I first encountered Jesus for the first time. So I chose to follow Jesus uh, when I was five years old. It was after a Sunday morning. I had had lots of questions. I knocked on the door of the shower and said, Mom, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And she said, hold on. And she jumped out, wrapped up in a robe, and we sat on her bed and prayed right there. And that's when I first encountered Jesus. I was a kindergartner. It was at the Christian school I was attending on a stairwell platform in front of a Noah mural, and it was on my own, based on things I learned from my parents. I first met Jesus by seeing my parents um, walk a faithful journey with the Lord. I'd say my first encounter with Jesus was walking on the back roads of Atwood with my mom. My first recollection of encountering Jesus was really at this church in Sunday school class on Easter Sunday. That is when I have my earliest memory of responding to the truth of who Jesus is and his resurrection. My encounter with Christ came as a senior in high school when my best friend was sharing about his relationship with Christ. And I'd never heard anybody talk before about a relationship by faith in Christ. And I decided that night, what he has, I want. I love those stories, moms and dads, teachers, um, uh, friends, people who said, you know what, I want to make sure that you get to encounter Jesus, that you have an opportunity to know him. I just love that. It's so good to know that we have that responsibility, right? Like what Josh talked about with uh, doing bless, that what a month to be able to invite people to say, wow, we want you to encounter Jesus as we, uh, we head to Easter. And that's what we're talking about over these next few weeks, um, and seeing how uh, different people on Jesus' way to the cross and just past the cross, how did those people encounter Jesus, and what were those stories like? Today, uh, if you want to turn to John chapter 11, we're going to be in John chapter 11 today, talking about Mary Martha and Lazarus and Jesus encounter with them. And so uh, I know that as a church, we have a lot of things that we want to be to do on mission. And one of those is that we want to be following Jesus together. And as we look at these encounters over these next four or five weeks, I encourage you to say, man, these are, yes, great stories of how God moved. And guess what? He's still moving and wants to encounter us and wants us to know him personally, and he wants to deepen our desire for him as we step into this. And so uh, you may remember this passage because it was just a few months ago, Phil Bryant from, from Assist was here and spoke to us on John 11. And he said multiple times, I listened to his message again over the past couple of weeks, and uh, he said multiple times, there is so much in here. And boy, there is. I even heard that one of our ABF classes is teaching on these two chapters this morning. There is so much rich content of how Jesus encountered his people along the way. But since there's so much to talk about, we're jumping right in this morning. So let's jump in right at John chapter 11. 
And we're starting at verse 1, reading from the NIV. It says, Now a man named Lazarus, and Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus's. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with his hair. Pause. You realize that hasn't happened yet. Maybe you didn't know that, but that actually doesn't happen until chapter 12. So it's interesting that John, as he's writing, is writing to people that probably already knew the story, as some of you probably know that story. Um, but, it, but it says that Mary did that for him, which was pretty powerful, and we're going to find out why in this chapter. And then verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get a story that someone that I love is sick, or someone's in the hospital, what do I do? Right away, I am on my way. I'm jumping in my car, right? And in the first century, they would have been strapping up their sandals, maybe jump on a donkey so they get there a little faster, right? But they would be taking that journey. But what does Jesus do? And this is our first point of the message. Jesus waits, and then he goes. Jesus waits, and then he goes. So, so look what he does. They, they send a messenger. Mary and Martha say, hey, we, we need you to go and find Jesus because Mary and Martha have seen what Jesus can do. They know that if he just speaks it from a distance, that Lazarus could be healed. They've seen him do crazy stuff, make mud pies, put it on people's eyes, and all of a sudden they can see. They've seen all these crazy things that Jesus can do. And so they said, now... One of his close friends is sick. Surely he's going to rush and get here. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't do that at all. He doesn't rush. Look at verse 4. He said, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, so he went so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, and he says, you know what? I'm not going to go yet. Now, we get the rest of the story, right? That, that's the advantage of reading the Bible now, is we, get to, we already got to hear part of why Jesus is doing that. Put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes right now. They are a couple of days walk away, and they've sent the messenger to go uh, talk to him, and, and now they're waiting. And the messenger did his job. He told Jesus what he had to do. But then Jesus says, now he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So because he loved them, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. Don't miss that. Jesus is going to make them wait. In, in the pain, in the hurting, in the questions, in all of those things, Jesus is going to say, you know what? I'm going to wait just a little bit longer. Now, we get to hear why in verse 4, but Mary and Martha didn't know that. So my first question for you is, what are you waiting for? Is there something right now in your life that you've been calling out to God for and you haven't gotten the answer that you wanted to hear? Is there, a, is there a sickness? Is there a relationship? Is there maybe a child that you've been praying for for a long time? Is there a job that you've needed or wanted? 
Is there something that's, that's happening in your life that you have called out to God for, and right now it seems like maybe the prayer isn't going higher than the ceiling? And, and I, I want to challenge all of us to say, let's do well in the waiting. Let's make sure that we learn all the lessons that there are in the waiting because that's what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to wait it. Wait, waiting time is not wasted time. Let me say that again. Waiting time is not wasted time. Jesus wants to do something in us while we're waiting. And that's hard. I'm not, I'm not telling you for half a second that that's, that that's an easy thing. But Jesus had a purpose behind that. Because he loved Mary and Martha, when he heard it, he waited. Do you feel the heaviness of that? Some of you probably do right now. When I said, is there something you're waiting for, something came to your mind. Something that you're processing, something that you're wrestling through, something that's there. But in that meantime, in that waiting time, God wants us to use it well. God wants us to say, you know what, I don't want you to waste this time. Just like he didn't want Mary and Martha to waste that time. But how long did he wait? He waited two more days, knowing full well that that meant it would be four days until he got there. And back in that time, when someone died, they always said, you know what, we're going to wait at least three days for that. And on the fourth day, we know that while they weren't just in a coma, they really died. And so on that fourth day, it was pretty critical. And that's what Jesus waited for. Now, can you imagine being another character in this? Can you imagine being the messenger? Have you ever had to bring bad news to somebody? Have you ever had to, to go and, and for me, tell my wife, you know what? Uh, one of our kids isn't coming right now because they have their own agenda, right? That's a little different than what Jesus is doing here, right? He had his own agenda, but it's good. My kids might have another agenda, and it might not be good, right? Are you with me? Uh, some of you are like, uh-huh, and you just elbowed your child. Come on, we're looking at ourselves first, and then we're doing what's next to us. But imagine being that messenger. You're on your way back. Mary and Martha have this anticipation. They see it, and they're like, wait a minute. He's, he's by himself. So, did you tell him everything? Were you clear? Did you, did you tell Jesus how urgent this was? Lazarus doesn't just have a bad cold. He's on his deathbed. And now he's even died since you've been back. Were you clear? And the messenger's like, don't shoot the messenger. It wasn't me. Jesus said, I'm going to wait. He's going to take his time. And Jesus does just that. And then he does go. Jesus does finally go uh, and takes the opportunity to go see them. But, but mixed into this, don't miss something, because today we're really focusing on Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but I don't want you to miss what Jesus talks about here in verses 7 through 9. Right after he says, hey, I'm going to be waiting, he takes this teachable moment. Notice this, this moment that he does with his disciples. And then he says to his disciples in, in verse 7, he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going to go back? Jesus answered in verse 9, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is the person that walks in night that they stumble, for they have no light. Don't miss this little point right here. 
right? As we're looking at the story, it'd be very easy to just look at the big picture of what we're talking about, of the encounter that Jesus is going to have with Mary and Martha, and we're going to forget to hear this. And here's my question. Is there darkness right now somewhere in your life that nobody else knows about? Is there some place where you aren't walking in the daylight and you need God to shed some light on it? Is there something right now that as you're sitting there, it pops in your head that there's a sin or there's a struggle or there's something that maybe you've even shared in the past or maybe you just haven't been completely honest with your accountability partner and and you need to take a step to say, you know what, I need to get this in the light. Because if we're walking in the light, we're not going to be stumbling around in the darkness. And I, I heard a, a dad talk this week, and he talked about his, his child who had a black heart. There was something going on in his heart that needed to be revealed. And then when it was, they were able to start dealing with it. Here's what I love about our Savior, by the way. What we uncover, God will cover in his grace. Doesn't mean that there won't be consequences, but boy, he loves us so much that he's going to meet us right there and walk with us. So I challenge you this morning to be walking in the light. And if there's something that needs light, let him shed light on that and give you grace in that moment. And so, all right, we're going to jump back into the, to the part we're talking about now. And then in verses uh, right after that, he says uh, that they go, our friend Lazarus in verse 11 has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And so, He's going he's gonna to show that for, for the sake of seeing what Jesus can do, he's going to go. And, and the disciples think that he's just talking about him sleeping. He's like, no, really. Lazarus has died, and we're going to go see, and I'm going to raise him from the dead. And so then he goes. Well, now he's on the journey to get there. And, and Martha is coming. All right? Martha is she's a no-nonsense lady, I think right? She's about to, uh, to let him have it. And Jesus is confronted, and then he shows care in these, next, in, in these next verses. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, She said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I love Martha right here. I love the fact that when Jesus comes, she just doesn't say, oh, Jesus, right? Isn't that sometimes how we feel like we're supposed to act? But she goes right to him and says, Jesus, I don't get it. You knew that your friend was sick and you didn't come. Help me understand this. I, I, I don't get it. it. It hurts. It probably made her a little bit upset. Maybe more than a little. And then Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection. And Jesus says these powerful words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who's to come into the world. Yes, Martha had questions and she wasn't afraid to ask them. And she also never lost who Jesus was. 
And here's a fact that we can believe in and that we can trust. And that God is good when things are good and God is good when things aren't. He's good at both times. It's not because God came through, now God is good. No, it's in the hurting, Martha says, I know you are the Messiah. I know you are the one who is to come. You, you are that person. And that's probably why she was a little upset, because she knew who he was. And she was trying to understand it all. And she was wondering. And she goes and gets Mary, and Mary comes, and, and Mary's also hurting. And, and, and you know, sometimes I think when we hear these stories, you, you can hear it from here, and you think, yeah, Tim, you, you say that, but you're one of those pastor people, and you're in the Bible all the time, and, and is it really, do you really understand the pain? And I want to tell you I do. In 2019, our family had already had six people who had passed away in the course of about three years. One of my wife's aunts, a couple of my aunts, my wife's mom passed away of a brain tumor that one day she's walking around what seemed like normal. The next day, they're helping her walk into the car, and the next day, she never got out of a bed again. Five months later, she was with her Savior. My mom, not too long after that, passes away. My wife's brother dies of a brain tumor, her younger brother. And then we get to 2019, and things start to stack up. And um, one day, I, I'm at church, and I get a picture from my neighbor, and two of our trees have fallen and smashed a fence and smashed his shed, uh, which doesn't seem like a big deal, except that a couple months later, we have a house fire, and we have to be out of our house for three months. And, and nothing tragic happened. It was more annoying than tragic, right? But it was still another thing. And then uh, my wife's grandma passes away a little earlier, and then at the beginning of August... Uh, of 2019, my wife's uh, uh, grandma, who loved Jesus, she was around here, Junie Schofield, uh, passes away. Uh, and later in that month, my son is playing varsity soccer and he's worked his tail off. And the second game of the season blows out his knee and tears his ACL. This week I went back to my journals. I want to read them to you. August 25th, 2019. Since November, two of Kelsey's grandmas have passed away, two whole trees are fallen, we had some other stuff, the fire, and now Jane's knee. How much does one family have to endure? The next day, God, what do you want from us, from me? So much grief, so much pain. God, I, I want to trust that you are good, and yet we've faced so much pain and sorrow. God, I feel like I'm done, but a part of me doesn't want to give up. I feel like I'm drained. What do you want? After everything else, now Jaden has an injury. I can't believe it. I'm weary, Lord. And that I need to lead him well through this. Help, I need you. Help, I feel so much despair. God, please don't let go of me. This was a couple days later. Uh, or give up on me. I have so many questions. And I even have guilt for, for questioning you. Lord, this just stinks. I know that, that this can make Jaden a better person. I know my life verse, Romans 8, 28, all things can work together for good. And I know how much pain there is, how much grief and loss. And I got to admit, I'm mad about it. And I'm weary from it. Help us to not lose hope. A couple days later, God, I just need to trust you more. I'm sad this afternoon, a few weeks later, and struggling so much, I somehow need to dig my way out of this hole, but I'm fearing paranoid that something else bad is going to happen. I'm feeling discouraged. 
I don't want to do anything. I'm just pathetic and babyish. You ever reel with yourself? I do okay in the mornings, but by the afternoon, I'm in a funk. A couple weeks later, God, you've got to become greater, and I have to become less. An area in my life that hasn't changed yet is I still feel sorry for myself, and I'm shutting down. But maybe I need to enter a season of thankfulness and find the things to be thankful for. A few days later, may I choose joy. I get it. Life hurts. There's pain. And you could write your own story. If you were standing here, you could put your own story up here. And some of them, I guarantee you, are a whole lot worse than what we walked through. But boy, it's hard when you're in that questioning season. But may we be like Martha and never give up on the fact that God is good even in the ugh. That God is good even when it's hard. And that we would be willing to step out and ask him for help. And here's the best part. When we do that, this is how Jesus responds. When we, when we go to Jesus with an honest heart, he doesn't crush it. I love that about him. Look what he does in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, Mary was weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Jesus cares. This deeply troubled and, and moved in his spirit this way was like that he made a sound like a horse snorting, right? That he was angry, but he wasn't angry with Mary and Martha. He was angry with what sin had done to the world. And you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to do something about it because he was tired and weary of the sin that there was here on the earth. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to give you a foreshadowing right now of what's coming. Because there's a great day coming. And Tim, 2019 is awful. But there's a day coming that's better. And it may not be here on earth. But oh, it's coming. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus says, and Jesus gets to the point where he even weeps. And I imagine that weeping was seeing his friends grieving. And that weeping was knowing what Mankind had become the pain and the hurt and the sorrow that there is in our world and the anger. But praise God, our Savior does something about it. He doesn't leave us in 2019. He picks us up. And he doesn't always remove all the circumstances, but he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a hope. Look what he does in these following verses. Verse 38, Jesus was moved deeply. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there'll be such a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Martha still doesn't completely get it. She doesn't know what's going to happen here. And it's like Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Imagine this. Everybody's holding their noses. Imagine the worst smell you've ever smelled in your life. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard me, but I said it for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Take off those grave clothes and let him go. Jesus wowed him, right? He said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to show them a piece 
of what's to come. Something that's going to happen in just a couple of short weeks. When I rise from the dead, I'm going to show you right now, I have the power to conquer death. Whatever it is that you're wrestling with, Jesus has the power to conquer that. And I can't promise you that this side of heaven, that that relationship will be restored. I can't promise you that all of the pain and grief, I mean, we had eight family members die in four to five years. I'm not going to see them again this side of heaven, but I have a hope. Because my God doesn't live in the grave. My God conquered death. He is the resurrection and the life. How good is that? Boy, that's good. So awesome. I love the hope that we have in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you, in me, will complete it. It's going to be done. If we've chosen to follow Jesus, then we have a hope of what's to come. We have a hope of eternity. And so it was just a couple of weeks later, and we'll be talking about this later in the month, when Jesus went to the cross, and then he died, and three days later, rose back to life. And in that moment, conquered sin and death to give us a hope that goes above every other hope. That we have an opportunity to live with him into eternity. So now what? What do we do with all this? What what do we do with, with the pain that we're living in right now? It's great that we have this hope later. Some of us are probably living right now in the ugh right? What do I do with that? Well, first and foremost, we need to go back to John chapter 11 in the now what? And do you believe in Jesus? And in verse 25, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. And so my question for you here and those of you watching online is this, do you believe this? It's Jesus' words. Do you believe today that Jesus is who he said he was? Do you believe that in your fear and anxiety and the struggle that you're living in here on the earth, that he can overcome that, and that the first step is to simply say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I'm a sinner and you're not, but you died for my sin. Please forgive me. And I challenge you this morning, if you have never done that, make today your day of salvation. Make today that you say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I will trust in him and believe in him, and I will follow him for my whole entire life. Make that choice today. And if you do, would you hit the QR code uh, in your bulletin? And where it says prayer on on that card, would you just put in there, I followed Jesus today, and we would love to follow up with you. We would love the opportunity to talk with you and talk about next steps in your relationship with him. Don't wait any longer. Get the hope that can last for eternity. So what about the waiting? What about those of us that we're, we're following Jesus now, and, and we're in that, that awfulness. We're, we're in the waiting where Mary and Martha were, and and. What are we going to do? And I say, trust, cry out, and heal. I love our verse for the month in Romans 4.3. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. May we trust God even in it. You heard it in my journal entries. I had some questions. 
I had some wrestling that I was doing with him. But at my core, I was like, God, you know what? I don't want to make a decision in the emotion of it all. I'm still going to trust you, even though I don't always understand it. And I encourage you and challenge you to have that kind of trust. Can I also challenge you to not walk alone? I, I don't know who that person is for you, but if Jesus isn't showing up the way that you want him to show up, and, and you're wondering in the waiting, in the meantime, what that's all about, my question for you is, who are the people who are walking with you? Do you have somebody who you're praying with? Do you have somebody who's keeping you accountable? Do you need to talk with a pastor? Do you, we have a soul care team. I've spent a lot of time with them over the past month. We have a team of people who are trained with this book as the heart of it, to walk into the deep issues of life and talk through those from a biblical perspective. Can I say, man, hit that QR code and say, I need some help. Or just write down, or just put soul care in the prayer request place. And we'll, we'll follow up with you because we want to walk with you. And we have a group of people who want to do that. God doesn't intend for any of us to walk alone. He wants us to be with him and he wants us as the body to help each other. We have a team of people that would love to walk along with you. Please, in your hurting, don't walk away. It's easy to do that. It's easy in all the questions and all of the pain to just turn your back. Don't do it. Today, call out to someone and ask them to walk with you and ask them to be a part of it. Don't walk alone. And so if you've chosen to follow Jesus, do you believe this? And you can say yes. And, and maybe you've been in the waiting before, then some of us might be in the wow. I'll tell you, 2023 to 2024 for me. Wow. Right? I mean, I grieved in 2019 and beyond and a little bit before that. But I'm going to tell you, when you have two kids to get married and you got a kid who has the greatest swim season of his life and, and you know, you're, you're getting chances to pour into your kids. And I got a job that I've been praying for for a couple of years uh, to be able to be here at One Only Grace. And you see God do that. You know what? I grieved well. I want to celebrate well right? When God comes through, let's be good celebrators, right? Yes, we need to walk into the stuff and request stuff from him, and not but, not either or, and we need to celebrate well. When God's doing something good in your heart, let him know it, and let everybody know it, right? Because some of us are really good at letting everybody know when we're hurting, and that's okay because people want to walk with you. Let's let everybody know when it's good, right? And some of us are doing it right now. Grace College's basketball team is good, right? I mean, that's good. But, you know, there are greater things than that. Let's make sure that we are celebrating well in those moments. I walked into a time of being thankful for months and months where, man, I had to dig deep. Sometimes it was, Lord, the sun came up today, right? God, I'm thankful for another breath. I'm thankful for food. And then later on, it got to become other things. But walking through the grief, walking through the pain. Let's do it together. And then when God does come through, let's celebrate it. And let's celebrate well together, right? The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, right? And we want to celebrate well. And so I hope that wherever you are today, that today is either your day of salvation where you made a first step to say yes to Jesus, 
I pray that today's a day when you say, I'm not going to walk alone anymore, and I'm going to call that person to come alongside me and pray with me and walk into it. I'm going to call and get a hold of the soul care team to, to walk through my pain so that I can, I can trust God more and I can get through this season to get to the other side. And I also hope that we are a church that celebrates well. And that when God's moving in a great way, that together we would celebrate well as well. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, we love you. Man, I am so thankful for this passage of scripture. I'm so thankful that you, you don't just gloss over and put a band-aid on big wounds, but you allowed Martha to come to you, speak her heart and her pain to you, and you loved her there. God, you didn't confront her. You, you were weeping with her. Thank you. God, thank you that when you saw the sin that was in the world and what we've done to the world, that you said, I want to do something about that too. And that Jesus, you just didn't heal someone else. You went to the cross and took on our sin and pain on your back. Thank you. Thanks that you didn't stay dead and you rose again. And so, Lord, we do. We say thank you because we love you. God, we're looking forward to this month and what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room, everyone watching online would have the courage to take a step out and step forward and walk into the hard stuff and deal with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's the best part of this passage, and it's not real great, yet it is. But at the end of this passage, in, in verse 57, it says, but the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out Jesus who found out where Jesus was, should report that and arrest him. And you know why that's good news? Because because he got arrested, he died and rose for us. That's awesome. That's good. I'm thankful he was willing to do that. With all that being said, you are sent. Let's have a great week.